Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Have you ever pondered the meaning of life? Why are we here? What is our purpose? What does this all mean? Consider for a moment the words of 19th century writer Ralph Waldo Emerson. The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. Perhaps Emerson had the parable of the Good Samaritan in mind when he said this. In the Gospel reading from Luke, we are presented with a story within a story. The outer story involves a dialogue between Jesus and a lawyer, which we may understand to mean a Torah scholar steeped in the law. The lawyer begins by asking Jesus a question, the answer to which he should have known very well. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Therefore, it seems entirely reasonable that Jesus in turn asked the lawyer what the Torah has to say about the matter. Like the answer to a simple arithmetic computation, this question can really have only one answer. It cannot be nuanced. It cannot be spun, at least not without the listener in the audience of Jesus' time easily detecting the guile. The lawyer answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer's inward cringing is almost palpable. The turning wheels and machinations in his mind are almost audible. Wow. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not sure about that. That sounds like a struggle. Hmm. What if my neighbors were just the ones who lived in my house? Yes. Now that seems reasonable. What about that? The lawyer's next question is a tricky one. He wants to know who he must regard as a neighbor in order to satisfy the dictates of the Torah. By implication, it is tempting to surmise that he would also like to know who he need not regard as a neighbor to comply with these same dictates. Here Jesus responds in a way that has become familiar to his followers. He tells a plausible story. This is the story within a story. It is plausible because the road from Jerusalem to Jericho actually existed and still exists 
It was also actually dangerous because it was remote, full of twists and sharp turns, and frequented by highwaymen. In this story, he introduces a series of four central characters, one by one. First, we encounter a traveler who has been robbed and severely injured, perhaps near death. Secondly, we encounter two highly respected members of Jewish society, a Jewish priest, a knowledgeable teacher in the demands of the Torah, and a Levite, a member of a tribe of Levi and minister in God's temple. Of all people, they would be expected to understand their obligations before God and before others. Neither of these individuals rendered assistance as the Torah would demand. There may have been a perfectly rational explanation for why they decided not to help. They may have worried that the traveler was dead and in attempting to help they would only defile their hands. They may have been concerned that their efforts would only expose them to the danger of suffering the same fate that befell the hapless traveler. Maybe they were concerned about the burden or the expense that would fall on them if they got involved. We may conclude that whatever their reasoning, Jesus apparently did not consider it worthy of exploring within the boundaries of his parable. These potential excuses are not even mentioned. Finally, we are introduced to the Samaritan. It is important to realize that in those days, Samaritans were not simply an oppressed people, but were looked upon with animus. An easily missed irony nestled at the center of this conflict is that the Samaritans considered themselves to be good Jews. Some nine centuries before Jesus, a political fault line tore of the two tribes that were centered in and around Jerusalem away from the ten northern tribes that would call Samaria its capital. <clears throat> the writers of the Old Testament convey some of the disdain for these Samaritans that was likely prevalent even during the lifetime of Jesus. Northern Kingdom innovations such as the establishment of temples at Bethel and Dan and away from Jerusalem, the appointing of temple priests who were not of the tribe of Levi, syncretism and Baal worship would have all been disturbing to the faithful and no doubt fueled the criticism of their northern cousins. The intermarriage of many Samaritans with the sons and daughters of non-Jewish foreign nations, a violation of the law set forth by the Torah, could have only added to the Judean sense of justification in despising its Samaritan cousins. However, to be fair, the motivation for this division was also political and its seeds were contained within the burden of perceived injustices shouldered by the disenfranchised northern tribes. 
It is against this backdrop of perceived injustices, grievances, and counter-grievances that the Samaritan in Jesus' parable emerges. It is with this Samaritan character that Jesus does something completely unexpected and perhaps even jarring to the listener of his time. It is the Samaritan who is able to see the desperate traveler's need through compassionate eyes. It is the Samaritan who expresses love. It is the Samaritan who embodies the teachings of Jesus. By doing the right thing while the esteemed symbols of Jewish society rationalized and continued on their way, or as the gospel has it, passed by on the other side. Jesus forces us to redefine the word neighbor. A neighbor is not just someone who's on your side or belongs to your tribe. A neighbor is anyone at any time and in any place who needs your help. Who do we identify with when we hear this parable? Is it the Samaritan? Is it the Levite or the priest? Is it the injured traveler in need? If you're anything like me, it can be all of the different characters in this parable at different times in your life. Ralph Waldo Emerson had an opinion about the purpose of his life. The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to make it, to have it make some difference that you've lived and lived well. Maybe Emerson had it right. In our journey through this life, which is full of twists, and turn sharp turns and perhaps frequented by highwaymen. We are not called to pursue our own happiness as a goal. But when we are honorable and compassionate in our travels, we may find along the way many precious things which we did not seek. In the midst of these treasures, we will surely see the happiness which God has bestowed upon us, gleaming brightly. Who is our neighbor? It is everyone. When we recognize our neighbors and treat them as neighbors, as the Samaritan did, we have gone and done likewise. Likewise.